Welcome to the MILF Bod Podcast. Mindful, intuitive, lifestyle, fitness. An all-encompassing wellness resource for women featuring some of the most successful, influential mothers and experts out there. I'm your host, Cherokee Luker, mother, model, fitness trainer, and wellness enthusiast. Join me as we dive into all things MILF. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Today's guest has quite the extensive resume and life story, and I could go on and on about all of her incredible accomplishments and influence she's had on me and thousands of other women, but I'll try and keep it short and sweet. Hope Smith is an entrepreneur, the founder and CEO of the luxury skincare brand Mother, a mother to four amazing children, an author, esthetician, former Playmate of the Year, and TV personality, just to name a few accolades. I was introduced to Hope through my man, who has known her for 10 plus years now and has shot her many times over the years. And Hope is really the one who encouraged me to look at some alternative birth options and is really the person I'd give a lot of credit to in making my decision to do a home birth. So in this episode, we discuss entrepreneurship, home birth, Hope's experience with surrogacy, wellness, and so much more. So on that note, let's dive in and welcome the one and only Hope Smith to the MILF Bod podcast. Enjoy. Hi, Hope. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm so thankful to have you on the show. So I appreciate you taking the time to just talk with me for a little bit. There's so much that I want to ask you because your resume is just absolutely insane. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I feel like I could talk to you for hours because there's just so much that we could cover. So you're the founder and CEO of the amazing luxury skincare brand, Mother, who... I've had the pleasure of working with many times, and I love the product. You're also an author, an esthetician, which I didn't know, which is amazing. You're also a doula, a mom of four, ex-playmate of the year. You were on Celebrity Apprentice. So your resume is just insane, like I said. So (laughs) that's just a little introduction (laughs) as to who you are. But tell everyone who you are and introduce yourself to the audience. My name is Hope Smith. I didn't realize it until recently, but I've kind of always been an entrepreneur. I owned my first medical spa at 20 years old. And then I had this whole career kind of entertainment modeling and then ended up back again in skincare, making skincare products. So it's really come full circle now for me because now we have a skincare line. And before I was in the treatment room doing laser vein removal or regular facials, microdermabrasion, chemical pills. And now I'm like outside of the treatment room formulating for the treatment room, which is cool. Right. And your brand is called Mother, which is so on brand for this podcast. Can you tell everyone how you kind of started Mother? Because I know that like you started just concocting things in your kitchen while you were pregnant. And then it just has turned into this like whole entire empire. So when I was pregnant, the first thought I had selfishly was not even like a baby's going to be here in 10 months. It was, oh my God, I'm going to be covered in stretch marks. That was my biggest fear. I was always told they're genetic and every female in my family have them. Like my sister has them all over her abdomen, my mom, both my maternal and paternal grandparents. And so I thought it was just destined for them because I have them from puberty. 
like growth spurts, you know, I was like 5'10 at age 13. Yeah. So like I had huge growth spurts and my biggest fear was just to be like covered in them. I was afraid of being more insecure of them. So I started thinking like, okay, I'm just going to buy whatever I can buy. So I went to like Bergdorf Goodman, Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue. Then I went to Walgreens, CVS, Dwayne Reed, and I looked on every shelf and I'm like, okay, the marketing ingredient is never like the first, second or third ingredient. Why? With an esthetician background, I knew that they would label ingredient list trials in order of quantity of product in your product and your beauty products. So your first product is heaviest and, you know, Mm -hmm. and it would be like number 13. And I thought, well, why are you putting water before you're giving me the active or the good stuff? And I took it into my own hands. I used my esthetician license to start ordering raw materials from vendors. Amazing. So I ended up having a kitchen full of like five gallons of this. They don't really let you order a tiny bit to make for one person. So I had massive amounts of products (laughs) and you know, I probably made it at home 200 times before it ever ended up in a lab. I would have to make so much because I had so much volume in my kitchen that I would send it to people in Los Angeles, which were also in the entertainment industry, whether they were a stylist, a celeb themselves, a makeup artist, whatever the case may be. And they'd always ask for more. People went through pregnancies, twin pregnancies, no stretch marks. And so maybe we're onto something like, let's try to put it in a lab. Let's see what happens. And now, you know, we've, taken it so far. We launched it, took five years to launch it from my kitchen. And Mm -hmm. then from the kitchen, another, it's been three years since we launched the product and our first product is now clinically tested and it started in my kitchen. And it's so strange to me too. (laughs) That's so cool. So you started it with your first pregnancy, right? When you had Hendrix, right? And this was the body butter, right? Yep. And then I became pregnant with my second child And so I was basically pregnant for two straight years. I thought that there'd be like an 18 month break. I thought like if you're breastfeeding, you can't get pregnant because that's what they say. And I was six months postpartum and I got pregnant again because I thought I couldn't. (laughs) And so my boys are only 15 months apart. And so I was pregnant for two straight years. And at that time I was like, oh my God, okay. I spent a year stretched out to, you know, I think I went from like a 25 inch waist to a 43 and then to go back again in two years straight, I was like, I need something for elasticity. And then I started making this organic rosehip body oil. That's a dry oil and extracted only from the seed of the plants, which is most potent. And that was all for elasticity. So it was all about trying to maintain a very vain project, which was, you know, how I would look and feel. But it's so important because like how you look exudes into how you feel. Like you have to feel like you look good in order to feel good. Yeah. If you're going to ask me if I'm a nicer person on days that I have done my hair and have a fresh thought or I'm, <laughs> I'm a nicer person, like I'm a nicer human. There's something that makes you feel good about taking exactly. care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. So I used the body butter throughout my entire pregnancy. Didn't get one stretch mark. It is the OG product. And it's just always my favorite and always my go-to. Then of course, now you've developed the serum and the eye cream and the deodorant. And there's so many products actually now. And they're all from like a personal need. Yes. Personal need or a need like my mom had or my sister had or. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's always come from some problem somebody has and like they've tried everything on the shelf. Right. Right. Like, oh, what can we do? And still to this day, you know, I work with these big labs that 
are working for many big brands that I probably shouldn't name. And I know they're producing the same product. Mm-hmm. You know, we give them formulations finished and all they have to do is really go through and process this. And I'm at one of the labs. One of my SKUs is the most expensive SKU they make than have ever made. And you've got to think they're doing it for people that are bigger than me that have way more expensive SKUs on the shelf. Right. And ours just cost a lot to make because we put the good stuff first. It's so yeah. Good. Quality over quantity, always. Uh-huh. So to give you guys a little bit of a background on how Hope and I know each other, I was introduced to Hope through my man, my baby daddy, Josh, who <laughs> Hope has known for for like 10 or plus years. How many years have you guys known each other? I think 2009. So like 12, 13 years. Yeah. And so we were introduced through Josh. And I remember the first time that I ever met you was at your Malibu house. You had like a, I think it was a Cinco de Mayo party. It was. Yeah. And I was so nervous because it was kind of like my, you know, first time ever being in LA at like a big kind of A-list party. And I remember like Kanye was there and came up to Josh and started talking to him. And I was just like, what is this world? This is incredible. But like, I was a little bit intimidated at first. You got to be honest. But then, of course, once I met you, I was like, oh, she's so down to earth and so amazing and so sweet. And Robert invited us to your gratitude weekend in Colorado, which was probably one of my favorite memories ever that Josh and I have. And that's where I got to meet your boys, Hendrix and Legend. That was, I think, in 2019 or something. Okay. Yeah. Those are fun. It was so much fun. And I just remember (laughs) Hendrix was, oh my gosh, he just melted my heart. He's in love with you. I love him so much. And it's so (laughs) funny to see how different him and Legend are. Like their personalities are so different. So that's another question I wanted to ask you is because you have four now, which is insane. How do you see the differences between all of them? Because I'm sure they all have extremely different personalities. They're all very, very different. Yeah. I definitely used to think that, you know, I still do like nurture versus nature. I still think a lot of it is nurture. Sure. But there's no doubt a nature part of it because I Mm -hmm. could leave, you know, I was seven, six, two and two. I could leave my seven year old at home. He would lock the doors at night. He would feed himself. He would like, (laughs) everything would be good. You know, he'd blow out the candle he probably lit for like the ambiance. Like he's just responsible and organized and, you know. Then I have one that's 15 months younger. (laughs) Legend. (laughs) That you could never do that with because, you know, he lives in the moment. He like wants to have a good time. He's not worried about like a mess or anything, you know. Yeah. He would just be like living for the moment. I love that. They're just so different. Yeah. And then the twins, like... I've never really been around a lot of identical twins. My brothers are fraternal twins, but I don't know if that makes a difference in their personalities. Like, how do they differ? If you see one at a time, first off, you can hardly tell them apart. But when they're together, you kind of can. Right. Especially if you've been around them a lot. Uh Uh-huh. But personality-wise, one is kind of the spokesperson for the group. And she's been like that since it was like in the crib middle of the night kind of feeding time she'd be the alarm clock and like speak for the group and cry you know when it was time to eat that's so funny she's still like that to this day like very demanding she tells Zaya who is 
actually the one that was born first, but she tells her all the time what she can sleep with. Like if she wants to sleep with a new baby doll or new something, no, we don't sleep with that. You have to sleep with this one. Like very bossy. And Zaya is kind of chill and very, very calm. She's like the cuddler and the other is sassy and on the go. Like yeah, off playing with the boys, like running, you know. Oh my gosh. It must be so fun to just get such a mix of personalities. It is never a dull moment. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So I talk about this in my first episode. You were the person who kind of, I don't want to say like convinced me, but you kind of opened my eyes to home birth because I remember calling you and you just kind of told me a little bit about your experience and you told me to read Ina Mae Gaskin's book. Yeah. And so I ordered it immediately and then I just started diving in and like doing some of my own research. So you kind of inspired me to take the home birth route. I remember I was so terrified at first, but then after hearing your story, which I would love to get into, I was just like, oh, okay. If Hope can do it, then yeah, maybe I can do it too. So thank you. That's so nice. You're welcome. I've had so many people on social media come through and talk about that. Now I have my assistant, Lauren, who's pregnant. She's going to have a home birth. She went the midwife route too. I think once you're told like, it's okay, you can do it. This is, you know, a natural thing to be able to do. Your doctor's not delivering your baby. You are, and you're like empowered Mm -hmm. in that way. You understand, like, unless it's an emergency, I don't necessarily have to be at the hospital. Yeah. So tell us about your experiences because you had an amazing midwife and doula. I don't really know too much about your doula, but I know a lot about your midwife, Mary Michael. So tell us about how each of your births differed or like how it went down. So I was with an OBGYA when my first pregnancy until I was 20 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. I started reading and I got into the Ina Mae Gaskin stories and I thought, oh my God, I have to find a midwife. I just want to talk to one. I'm probably not going to do it, but I'm just going to talk to one. She spent more time with me in my initial consultation than my OBGYN had spent in the room with me in 20 weeks, you know? Yeah, same. And, you know, I left feeling like I knew what was going to happen and I understood it and I felt safe and... It was just the route I was going to take. And I had that backup plan should anything have changed. I still kind of kept that doctor for my first pregnancy in the background. Mm -hmm. But when it was time to give birth, it was at home and it was different. With my doctor, I definitely would have been induced, which anybody that gets Pitocin or induction, it's very hard, especially to stay unmedicated afterwards. You don't have that natural hormone spike. It's very, very hard to do. So like you almost like really need the epidural if you're going to be induced. Right. Cause it slows it down. Your hormones don't work the same way. So you don't have that same like natural hormone. That's like the pain killing hormone and right. the love hormone and different things. So Hendrix was born at 42 weeks mm-hmm. and three or six days, which everybody knows pregnancy is 40 weeks. So I'm like, right. I'm like what's going to happen here is like, when is <laughs> this baby coming out? So She's like, it's a first pregnancy. It's yeah. okay. The baby will come when it's ready. It's because you did what I told you to do your entire pregnancy. You took the right vitamins. You were so nourished. You had a healthy placenta. And when you have a healthy placenta, your baby stays up longer because they're getting every need served. Only when your placenta is like done, like it's reached its max, that's when the baby wants to come up. So I was apparently doing everything and it was there. So, you know, past 42 weeks, my water broke. And for 24 hours, my contractions didn't start. So she kept having to do like bacterial tests to make sure nothing was getting in the womb. Mm -hmm. You know, you had to do it like a sterile method every time you went to the bathroom. And it was just like a waiting game. I'm like, what is going on? 
24 hours to like the hour later, which again, in the hospital, you would have been induced and baby would have been taken right away. 24 hours later, my body was completely ready. And I think my labor was like six hours. I remember knowing I was in labor. I was having like contractions and six hours later, baby was born. I woke up at two, no, four hours later. I woke up at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. with the contractions and I had the baby at seven. Oh, that's beautiful. That's perfect. Yeah. And then the second one, I thought I would definitely make it to 40 weeks. He ended up coming at like 39 weeks and, you know, a few days. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And with that one, my labor again was like six hours long. But I think every time it was because the body was truly ready to yeah. release instead of being induced and everything having such a difficult time opening up and softening. But both of them were at home in the same room in the master bedroom. Everybody says like, how could you give birth in your bedroom? Well, I can tell you, I have cashmere white rugs, two of them in my bedroom where I gave birth, not a spot of blood, not a spot of anything. Midwives are so, I have to tell your audience because they might not know, but they come in and they, you know, have methods for the bed. Like they'll put like plastic and then they'll do like a sheet and then another thing of plastic and then a sheet so that they can strip off in between. So you always have clean bedding. You're in your own bed. When you're ready to get up and go take a shower, it's your own shower. Like baby never leaves. Like the environment, it's just a beautiful thing. It's so much better. It really is. I'm all about ambiance and the atmosphere and just having that memory and that experience of being in your own home, getting to light candles and play the music that you want and just being able to get up and walk around. Because when you're in a hospital, of course, when you have the epidural, you cannot do that. You're immobilized basically. And so, yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people probably picture like this huge bloody crime scene, but the midwives and their whole team, they're just so thorough about everything and you're just so well taken care of. And so how was working with Mary Michael? Because she's done what, like 4,000 births or something? Almost 4,000 births. Yeah. That's crazy. She taught me so, so much. I bet. I loved her. I used her in my book when I wrote the book. Yeah. When did you write your book, by the way? Over the course of the past seven years. It took seven years. I just couldn't get it all down. And it wasn't out when I was pregnant, right? No. No, okay. it just came out like kind of somewhat recently. I don't really know how long ago, less than a year. Yeah. Um, and it's called Your Body is Magic. Yeah. Her book is called Your Body is Magic. Of course, for my second pregnancy, I'll be able to utilize it, but I already started reading it. And I was like, wait, why didn't I read this when I was pregnant? I'm so mad that it wasn't out. But now I know like for my second pregnancy. Yeah. You'll have it for your next. Yeah. Lots of things on like vitamins, yes. nutrition. The vitamins are a huge one for me. Yeah. And it's written so well and just like so easy to digest. And like, you don't want to stop reading because there's so much good information, but it's not like in an overwhelming way. You did it in such a perfect way that it's just like, oh, okay. And it's pretty, like there's little pictures and things going on in the book, like me and it's hard for me to sit and what, read like any sort of medical journal that's going to explain it in like a really boring way. Right. So, yeah. you know, having it like those little small visual things really help. For sure. So I want you to talk a little bit about your experience with surrogacy and your IVF journey and all of that, because that's kind of a topic that I feel like it should be talked about more. So will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, IVF, my part of IVF was egg collection. Mm -hmm. And so it was go through the whole IVF, collect and produce extra eggs. So 
you know, first you're on birth control, then you're stimulating and then they're collecting, you know, and everybody said it would be so bad and it was so scared, but they make IVF so easy now where like the little injection pens are almost like the diabetes pen that checks your blood sugar. Like it just goes in and out really fast. It's not like you have to hold an open needle and syringe and do these injections. Like it's really simplified for at home. And I think what you picture is so different. Yeah. I pictured something so different, like a giant needle going into your ass or your thigh and like- No, it's so different now. Okay. That part is easy. You do have all these extra hormones going through your body. So you warn people around you that you are just very hormonal and you don't know what's going to happen. But honestly, mine was really okay. And I was really lucky because I only had to do it like one round of it, which Mm -hmm. is really- easy because some people will have to do it for many rounds to get enough eggs. Right. So that part was really easy. And the hard part was choosing a surrogate, but I worked with the surrogate agency and they took about three months to introduce me to my first interview. Candidate. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that that was so long, but it ended up being the perfect match. Good. We were exactly the same. She had had home births before. She was a doula, right? She was a doula. Mm-hmm. She had never been a surrogate before, but she was something she always knew she wanted to do for somebody. Oh. So like she thought she would maybe do it for her brother. That didn't work out. And she was like, I just want to do this for somebody that really needs it. And we really clicked and matched right away. And so then you go through the whole process of like, okay, you have to collect semen. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, create an embryo and you have to meet up and fly together to the appointment because I really wanted to be there when they implanted the embryo. Yeah, like I just wanted to see it. They will it in, in this like clear box. It's almost like what they put a preemie baby in. Mm-hmm. They will it into the room. She's kind of like upside down in a way. Like oh. they leave her with her like legs a little bit in the air, like reverse inclined. Interesting. And I saw the whole thing. There was a microscope. It's like looking at it and it's up on the screen being projected. And I saw that whole process, which is really crazy to see your embryo before it's ever in the womb. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That part was really, really cool. Again, we were really lucky in our first round. It it worked. I had asked, can we please put in two? Because I want to make sure one works and like be pretty cool to have twins, but like (laughs) at least one will work. Right. And then the doctor was like, no, we're going to do one. So I agreed. And thank God I did because had I put in two, one still would have split. So I would have had identical twins and a third, which would have been a triplet. Oh my gosh. That's just not an option for me. No. You know, it would have been really hard. I can't even imagine. Like women who have triplets, oh my gosh, just God bless them. Twins is so hard. I don't know how you do it with a single more. Yeah. Also, can you just tell the audience like why in the first place you had to go through IVF and why you chose to do surrogacy? Yeah. So I'm very open about it. But the reason I don't ever tell the story unless I'm asked is because people automatically will judge you more unless they know you needed surrogacy. So, you know, and I, and I kind of think like, okay, if somebody wants to use surrogacy to have children, like I don't really like judge them. And so I never open with my story so that I can help the women. That's just like their path. Maybe they're a career person. Maybe they don't, you know, have a partner and they're like going to get sperm donation and do it through a surrogacy instead of doing it on her own. Mm -hmm. So that's why I never open with why, but I do have an autoimmune disease and it's in remission now. So I'm not currently getting infusions, but at that time I was having to get these infusions that depleted your B cells and it was known to cause birth defects. 
And so I couldn't actually carry if I had had the infusion within the past year. And we didn't know if I'd ever be able to go more than a year Mm. between infusions. Now at this point, I've gone more than two. So that's great. Now I probably could, but I don't need more kids. You know, (laughs) I love that your experience with surrogacy was just so like seamless and easy. And that was your first. A lot of paperwork, a lot of lawyers. I'm sure. But like the medical part was very easy. It's so worth it though, to like find someone that you're super aligned with, which it sounds like your surrogate was the perfect match for you. Because I feel like that's so important because they're literally carrying your child. Well, in in your case, your children, your daughters. You have to let go of a lot of control. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to do. So you were there when they were born. What was that like? They were born at 35 weeks. Oh, wow. And so we woke up, Mm -hmm. ran to the airport, Mm -hmm. trying to get there in time. I was such a bitch to everybody around me. Until I got to the hospital, I was like, nobody could move fast enough. Anybody around me was like so slow that day because I like had to be there. Of course. Yeah. You didn't want to miss it. And then like I finally got to the hospital, which I had visited before and I couldn't remember where to go because I was in such a panic. Yeah. So like everything was like crazy until we got there. And of course the babies didn't come still after we got there for like 10 more hours. Thank goodness. But Mm -hmm. It is a crazy thing because I've done both and I've given birth myself. And then I've also now had a surrogate that I got to watch give birth. And I can very much tell you that first off, it's a beautiful thing to have that oxytocin in those first few days of like bonding (sighs) are crazy when you're the one that gives birth. Right. It's just like that love rush hormone that you have in your head. And like, I just can't even describe it. Yeah. Watching the baby be born was amazing because I was not the one in pain, not the one pushing, not the one that has tired from contractions for the past six hours, whatever. So being able to watch it was way more anxiety because I couldn't do anything. Right. Yeah. Because you're not in control. I couldn't get like the baby out. I'm not in control. I have none of the sensations. Like I couldn't really make all the decisions. You know, I have to let my surrogate make a lot of them, you know, if it has to do with her body. Right. There's a lot more anxiety. But at the same time, it's really amazing because it's like being a fly on the wall in Mm -hmm. the birth room and you get to like see it all and remember it all. Right. Because a lot of like my birth, like it all feels like compacted into like one short scene. Right. Even though like it was a lengthy, you know. I feel the same way. Watching it feels like it dragged by the minute. I'm pretty sure she broke HEPA policy, but I had this nurse afterwards, like a few days later, I got onto my DMs a message from a nurse. Like, I had never been part of a surrogate birth, but this is my favorite birth I've ever attended. Oh. I couldn't believe how vocal and like the pure joy while the babies were being born, like crowning, like out, or they were C-section, but pulled out the gasp and how vocal I was, I guess. Yeah. She's like, I have never been to a birth that like I loved more because you see oh. this woman that's like very, very selfish giving like the most beautiful gifts. Like I can't even get my mind around it today. (laughs) Like how do you give somebody two babies that weren't yours to begin with, but you know, and do that. And two, not even one. Yeah. You have to be a special human. Yeah. Amazing. That's so funny. She for sure broke HIPAA policy. (laughs) You clearly Googled me. Like I shouldn't even be on your web browser right now. You know, that's so funny, but Also, I'm sure that that was like such a beautiful thing to have someone tell you that. She couldn't help herself. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so now you have obviously your two boys and your two girls. I'm sure you're done now, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, I am. I mean, I say of course, but some people keep going. Yeah. So how do you balance it all? Can you elaborate a little bit on like who helps you and like what is your day structured like basically? It starts really early. Normally, it's normally five something. Mm -hmm. And it depends, of course, if it's summer or if it's like school time. Right. But I'm normally either working out or up, getting ready and dressed. And before I ever see my kids, like I'm really fully dressed, except the weekends, because I run a business Monday to Friday and my kids have to be dropped off at school. And once they're awake, I can't get anything done. Yeah. So, like, my minutes all matter to the minute. Yes. So, like, you know, I'm out and seeing them and waking them up of like 6.40 and then they eat, they get dressed mm-hmm. and I drop them up at school. Like I really love my drive time with the kids. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's like the sweetest time to have them in the car. And so I drop them up at school and then I come right back and I normally go straight to my office. So I have a nanny. She's been with me since Legend was born mm-hmm. and she's a really, really sweet and thankfully very patient woman. Um, <laughs> and so I'll normally head straight to my office and by then it's eight 30 and I have like video calls and I'm on with my team in New York and brainstorming days and whatever else like that day has on the calendar. Yeah. And then I try to pick them up though. Like I do have help. Like my mom will go get them or I will get them one or the other. And I'll have to leave my office at like 2.30 some days to do Mm -hmm. that. And that's really hard to leave because that's like the middle of my work day. Yeah. Which is really, really stressful. And my mom has to get better at going to get them for me. (laughs) Mom, if you're listening. Um, (laughs) So then I'm normally back in my office after that. And they'll be doing like after school stuff. They'll be finishing their homework in the kitchen. And I'm in here until like four o'clock and then kind of done for the day. Yeah. Unless it's like a rare day where I'm in here till five. So that's the day. And then after that, it's like witching hour and you have to like feed them and you have to, you know, bathe them and like take care of them. So it's like a full, full thing when they're all in bed. It's like my time. Right. So it's like shower podcast. I'll read. I like to read Mm -hmm. and just chill. I'm not a big TV person. Yeah. Almost. I feel guilty for doing it sometimes. Like, of course, on the weekends, I'll sit there and watch TV sometimes, but it's like, okay, I feel like I could be doing so many other things right now. Yeah. I mean, it's all about balance. So I like know that I'm not going to be perfect with my kids every day. And I just accept that. And I'm not going to be perfect with my work every day. And I accept that too. And it's like just finding that balance where I'm like trying to split that time. Yeah. Because you have a lot on your plate. I can't even imagine. So that kind of leads me into the acronym MILF. So what do you do to stay mindful? There's lots of things, but I love to listen to, I'll do like the superhuman app right now. I'll put it on when I'm getting ready. I literally just downloaded it. I love it. I love it. It's really good. It's like quick things. I even do it with the kids in the car yeah. on the way to school about like what their day is going to be like. And like that helps to like really like set the mood. Yeah. Me too with Hunter. I've been doing it like while we eat breakfast, just so that he kind of I like see. subconsciously like soaks it in. Yeah. I'm very big on grounding and like being very barefoot. So Mm, yeah. Talk about that. Where I live in Palm beach, I have a yard and sand and the beach and you know, like the waves are shaking the ground and like laying in the grass. Like I went years without laying in grass and I didn't realize like how amazing it is for you. Those are great tips. And then I listened to Lewis Howes and Will Mm -hmm. Cole and anybody that's like health 
focused, vitamin focused, and it's going to make me want to like improve or like learn something that can give me or my family like a healthier life. Yeah. Nutrition wise, vitamins, working out. I can learn something about protein or like anything, you know, and I want to absorb that as much as I can. And that makes me feel like I'm mindful. That's what works for me right now. Right. Because you are always on the go. And I feel like all of those things that you mentioned are things that you can do while you're multitasking, you know, driving the kids to school or getting ready. You can listen to your superhuman app or listen to a podcast and then you can be out in the yard with your kids, like getting the negative ions from the ocean and grounding. And it's just like, I love all of those things, especially for moms, because it's like time is of the essence and we got to multitask. It's hard to dedicate like a solid you know, 20 minutes. I mean, you can to sit down and like actually meditate, but I love all of those things. So next, what do you do to listen to your intuition? I feel like I have such a strong intuition. Yeah. And it's kind of been in me since I was tiny. I can see that. I don't necessarily have to anymore listen to it. I just have to every once in a while remind myself, like in order to not lose it, you have to make a change. Like I'll have intuition about something. Well, I have to change that path because I now know something, right? Right. So it's like trusting that intuition. It's just more of a practice. For sure. But I feel like intuition is something that can't be taken from me because it's just there and it's built and I trust it, you know? Yeah. It's so important to trust it and listen to it. And I feel like you're right. Like someone like you, I feel like has a very strong intuition, even from a very young age, like Mm -hmm. how you invested in that medical spa when you were 21 years old, like you just, you knew from the beginning. I feel like you've always been that type of person. And of course, I think with motherhood, you've evolved as a mother. It's such a big part of motherhood. It's huge. Yeah. And advocating for your kid and knowing like no one else is going to, you know? Yeah. They have no one else to advocate for them. Yeah. They really don't. And like, you have to like not be afraid of other adults. I wouldn't want to be confrontational, but you have to tell like doctors they're wrong on diagnosis. You have to tell them like what is right and what is okay. Yeah. You have to tell them that they're wrong and they have like this PhD. You have the same thing with their teachers and heads of schools Oof. and like Yeah, I'm not there yet. It just gets harder and you have to be the one to advocate yeah. for them, you know. Even at the playground, like it's just crazy how your mama bear instincts like kick in. This girl came up to Hunter and just like fully pushed him on the ground for absolutely no reason. And I had to hold my tongue and just be like, okay, it's it's all right. They're a kid. But I did go up to her and I was like, can you please say you're sorry? Because, you know, he fell on the ground and he was crying and he's helpless. And it's just like, as a mom, you of course you want to protect your child. I can't even imagine once he gets to school having to deal with teachers and then, of course, doctors and you have to know in your gut and you have to do what's best for your child. And even Mm -hmm. if that means like going against someone who has these credentials. So the next thing I want to ask you about are what are some of your lifestyle non-negotiables, whether that's like your beauty and skincare routine, or, you know, you mentioned you love to read or your diet. Like what are some things for you that help you every single day? In order for me to work at my full potential, like energy wise, and to be there for my business and to have energy to spread around, my number one non negotiable is sleep. Like, I have to optimize my sleep. So, that means that I don't eat right before bed. So, like, I will not eat three hours before I'm going to bed. And I always make sure that I'm going to have at least seven hours of actual sleep. 
Like that's so important to me. I use blue light blocking glasses once Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be looking at my screen, a phone, which I am pretty much until I go to bed. Right. Not a good thing. Like you should put it down what you're for, but I will use these orange blue light blocking glasses and it Mm -hmm. makes your sleep so much deeper. You know, like everybody, I have this aura ring and I'll track sleep. And the nights that I forget to use these glasses, Mm -hmm. it's 10 points lower because your circadian rhythm doesn't get to, yeah, your natural melatonin doesn't start to spike. Nothing's working the way it should. It's all delayed. Yeah. And then eating late will keep your heart rate higher. Mm -hmm. So your recovery while you're sleeping is not the same. Like it's less reparative. I need a really cold room. I have my room on a schedule. So like at 7 p.m., it'll start dipping to 67 degrees. And then it goes back up to 72 at 7 a.m. I have to have a cold, cold room to sleep in. Yeah, I've heard it's so much better for you to sleep in a cold environment. I mean, our entire system depends on restful sleep. So that's number one. Like all four of my kids always were 12 hour sleepers. Like I wouldn't see them for 12 hours. Now, like my son's more like 11 and 10. Yeah. But all four always a 12 hour sleeper, seven to seven. And it was like always my non-negotiable. That is so nice. And then drinking, like I try to drink spring water mm-hmm. or vortex water and with like a little bit of Himalayan salt in it a few times a day. Yeah. I wake up and I have to have like probably 20 ounces of water because at night you spend so much time like flushing waste yep. that you want to wake up and immediately flush. So I don't eat anything right away. It's all about like the water and I move into coffee, but like at 10 o'clock, you know, so yeah. I have that time to like purge everything from the night. I wish I was somebody that was turning my Wi-Fi off to sleep, but I just can't do that. Yeah. But I know that that would also be good for skincare. I always like at nighttime, I'm a double cleanser. I'll do my whole skincare routine. There's lots of lifestyle things. I could go on and on and on, but you know what? It makes me feel taken care of. Yeah. Did you sleep train all of the kids? I did sleep train them. Yeah, and that's smart. I would always come in at the 12 hour mark to mm-hmm. get them out of bed. And they just got used to that. They know I'm coming at the 12 hour mark. Now, if they're sick or they're crying and I have net cameras on them at night and I'm looking at them, but they will stay in their beds for 12 hours. Now, my older boy is not anymore. They're seven and six. They're not a 12 hour sleeper, but my girls at two years old are still sleeping 12 hours. That is amazing. It's so, so good. And then another tip is like probably now I'll probably put the hatch in the girls' room. It's like, you can schedule it from an app on your phone. And so you can have yeah. it on a bedtime schedule. I love it. So they know to get out of bed when it turns purple or blue, whatever their favorite color is, that means you get out of bed Yeah, because they need that time. And if you are making your kids sleep and they have that schedule, they're going to get sick less. They're going to grow more. Yep. Um, their immune systems will be stronger. Like that whole thing, you know, it's not just like go to sleep because I don't want to see you. It's like so many other things. It's so beneficial for their, like their brain development, their energy. Yeah. The hatch is amazing. I don't know what I do without the hatch. I love (laughs) it so much. And then of course we have to talk about your fitness routine. What are your fitness practices? So I work out twice a week on zoom with Mm -hmm. Palin, who is a woman I started working out with out in New York during pandemic and our zoom workouts just worked and they make me show up Yeah, and we do strength training and some of it's hit if I, you know, just depends. And then between those two strength training sessions, so I do them every Monday and Friday at like, I don't know, 11 AM on the East coast and like nine in Colorado, you know, it just depends where I'm at right? time zone wise. But I like keep that same Monday, Friday. And when I'm in Europe, it's in the afternoon and we keep it no matter what. And it works. And she works out the entire 
work out with me, matching weights. And she does it for every one of her clients. I'm like, you do this six times a day. That's so impressive. She's 52. She has a sufficient amount of muscle on her, not huge, but definitely like has muscle and Mm -hmm. how she has that energy. I don't know, but she's like strong, healthy. You'd never guess her age. I mean, yeah, she looks amazing and she's hard and challenges me. And it's something that I can commit to showing up to, yeah. but that changes. Like I did Legree, which I still love for like 12 years. I did it my whole pregnancies. Yeah. Wasn't the day that you went into labor with either, I can't remember if it was Hendrix yeah. or Legend, you did a Legree class? I did a one o'clock, one at one, <laughs> 1 p.m. Legree class. I got off the reformer at two. Those classes were so extremely hard. Like when I tell you that like an NBA player can laugh at it and then they get on and they're always oh, no. surprised. It's no joke. I got off the machine at two o'clock. I rocked my first baby to sleep, not to sleep, but like cuddle time and then put him in his crib to go to sleep. He was over a year. And I was having the contractions and I remember I timed it. So I was like, I got to put him to bed early because I think I'm going to like give birth tonight. Yeah. I was having those contractions and I had him at 2 a.m. So like, my my labor started like 6 p.m. I think. Yeah. Contractions. I rocked my baby to bed. Oh my god. And then went and had another baby. Yeah, I'm sure the class like helped induce you a bit. I'm sure. Like I mean, I worked out literally to that day. That's amazing. With both pregnancies, I made this like in my notes folder on my phone. I listed out. I don't remember the workouts. Like a hundred workouts or 75 workouts, depending when I started it after I found out I was pregnant and I would put the date in what I did. So it'd be like, okay, June 26th. Yeah. Agree. Oh, that's cool. I held myself accountable for all those workouts and I made sure to meet that deadline. And like one time I passed it by like so much, but it gave me this goal of like staying active. Consistency is so key. For anyone who hasn't done a Legree class, you guys, they are so intense. Like Hope was saying, like an NBA player will get on and think that it's a joke. No, like they can't even do it. You leave literally shaking. And so yeah. for you to do that the day that that's you insane. gave birth, that, that's just insane. I applaud you. That's amazing. It's so important to stay active. So you train with your trainer on Zoom two times a week and you do mostly strength training stuff. Strength training. Yeah. You know, free weights, tons of lunges, tons of squats. Yeah. I would love to start doing Legree again, but the time I have, like, I don't have time to go to a studio, but it's like fitting it in the calendar. Like, where is it going to work? You know? For sure. And consistency for sure. Because like you said, like having that schedule every single Monday and Friday is so important. It really is. Yeah. I just have one more question that I ask every person at the end of every episode. And that is if you could go back to your younger self and give yourself one piece of advice what would you say to little hope? I heard that you should put a picture of you as a little girl in your mirror because it will make you be very kind to yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're talking to her. Yeah. I want to think that I'd say, don't worry about needing to make money as soon as possible. Yeah. I want to think that I would say that, but it's not actually what I'd say because that kind of mentality had me starting a medical spa from the ground up. Like, coming up with treatments and like doing this 20 years old, you know, that's amazing. And so it made me who I am. So I want to say, like, I would tell her, relax, don't worry, go have fun. But like, I don't know where I'm gonna, I'd be in life if I were to tell her, go have fun. Yeah. So like I had fun, but I think I just say, take your time. That's a good one. And yeah. it's all going to be okay. Just like, be patient. You know, you don't have to rush. Right. You know, I don't know. It's hard to say what you'd say. I, I have know. so many messages. 
We need a whole conversation with her, right? I know. I know. I wish we could go back. But at the same time, like you said, we go through all of these things. And if you hadn't done things the way that you had done things, then you wouldn't be where you are today. Yeah, It's kind of like the butterfly effect. Like if one little thing changes, the whole entire outcome of your life could change. But I think that's a good one. Just like be patient, slow down, like you have time. Yeah. Not everything has to happen like right away. I probably still have to tell myself that. Oh yeah. Me too. For sure. I'm like, girl, just chill the fuck out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Hope, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to you in making my decision to even do a home birth. So you definitely inspired me. And I feel like you're inspiring so many women just with everything that you've done and accomplished. It's incredible. So I just want to say thank you and applaud you for everything that you've done. And can you just let the audience know like where they can find you, where they can find your book, your skincare, mother, and yeah. Sure. So my skincare is mother, M-U-T-H-A.com. It's amazing. Um, It's also available at different retailers. And then my Instagram, Hope Smith. Mm -hmm. And your book. Your Body is Magic is the book. Yeah. And then you can get it like on Amazon, Your Body is Magic. And that's it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I can't wait to subscribe and add you to my uh, solo car rides. I know. Yeah. Same with me. Podcast time. I know. It's the best. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon. And I'll probably see you soon. Hopefully. Yeah. Very good. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you gained some insight on how to practice becoming more mindful, learn the importance of listening to your intuition, gained some lifestyle takeaways and fitness tips. You can find me on Instagram at Cherokee Luker and the podcast at MILFBODPOD. So make sure you follow me to access exclusive content to help you become a better you, a better mother, and a better human. Talk to you guys next week about all things MILF.